0: turning it up Hello, hello, hello everybody one and all. Welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles and with me today as always is my lifelong friend and co-host Dylan.
1: I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles.
0: I am ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, but not just any fantasy today because today we are reacting to yet another one of the Fantology Podcast contest brackets. As you may know, throughout the history of the show, we've talked about Fantology Podcast. Great guys. They've come on to a couple of our shows. We've come on to their show a few times. They're... Uh, super awesome knowledgeable guys in the world of fantasy podcast content creators so definitely check them out but something they like to do every month is open up a competition a bracket of a top three of something in fantasy last month was top three romances and we have recently released an episode reacting to our submissions to that and this month we have the top three magic systems
1: That we do, and those polls are hosted by Fantology on Twitter, at Fantology underscore books, Mm -hmm. so if you want to check out our entry there, if you want to just monitor these really fun tournaments that Fantology does, a great way to to do that is to give them a follow on Twitter, and you can find us under at the FTF Podcast One on there, too. Yeah, so we're going to get the chance to talk in depth about our three top magic systems that we chose and i feel really good about our entry this time around charles yeah we've yet to make it past maybe the quarters uh, or maybe this have we ever made it to the semis in anything i know we only
0: um that's time, a good question i think we may have won twice one time but i don't remember twice, it's like usually two rounds we usually don't We usually don't make it to the semifinals.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but we're super hopeful. Uh, Steven from Fantology, under the Fantology account, uh, sent a tweet to me saying that he thought we had a very good chance with the three that we chose. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited. I think these are three really awesome ones, and I'm ready to get into them. We're going to keep this conversation really high level in the sense of like, Uh, we're not going to spoil anything basically spoiler free and spoiler free episode here so if you are looking for more in-depth discussion of these we'll kind of sprinkle in recommendations to other episodes that we've (laughs) talked more in depth about these magic systems throughout but here maybe it'll be more of like let's let's talk about what's so awesome about the magic systems themselves Mm -hmm. let's and hopefully build some excitement to Read these books if you haven't read uh, these three yet. And Charles, do you want to get into? Uh, no further ado. Tell them what what our three are. Or yes. Do and uh,
0: I'll do one more thing, I'll just quickly say is, if you haven't read any of these series yet, then this might be the a good pitch for you to hear. It might convince you to pick one of these up. So if you haven't read these and you like what you hear when we talk about it, highly recommend picking any of these up. These are all master classes and magic systems for one reason or another. So with that being said, let's get into our first one. This one I think was the most represented in the contest just by quickly looking it over. Um it's definitely super iconic when you say this series, the next thing you say is brilliant magic system and that can only mean it is the Mistborn trilogy era one by Brandon Sanderson and that magic system is Alamancy.
1: Yeah I mean I don't know if it gets any more iconic than Alamancy and Mistborn when right. you're talking about a magic system. I don't know if it gets any more iconic than Brandon Sanderson <laughs> when you're talking about magic systems. I would go so far as to say it does not uh, get any bigger than Brandon. Brandon Sanderson's name in a lot of ways has become synonymous with writing incredible intricate magic systems. And our favorite has... Uh, I think I can say that on both our parts here, Charles. Our okay. favorite has... Let me know. Let me know if I can't. Okay. Um, Almancy is our our favorite of Brandon Sanderson's magic systems. And I can say that's that, why yeah. we chose it as one of our top three here. It's it's this really cool hard magic system, which is probably something that is good for us to explain now. Basically, magic systems exist on a spectrum from soft too hard is how usually folks speak about in the genre. Soft magic system. I usually think about uh, like Gandalf's powers in the Lord of the Rings where we don't really know the rules. We don't understand what things they can and what things they can't do exactly, but we get the sense that they're there is certainly magic and there are certainly powers that could be wielded. And uh, usually when something is more on that soft end of the magic system where you don't have clearly defined rules, it's not used as much to like solve problems in the novels them- or in the texts themselves. Mm-hmm. And then all the way on the other end of the spectrum of magic systems, the hard magic systems, they tend to be very clearly defined with lots of rules that are conveyed to the reader. So maybe there are rules behind the scenes for some soft magic system, but the readers might not know them. And when the reader knows the rules, like in a hard magic system, a la Mistborn's Allomancy, then what the author can often do very successfully is solve lots of problems using that magic system in a satisfying way. And that actually draws from Brandon Sanderson's first law of magic, which is your ability to solve problems in a satisfying way is directly proportional to how well the reader understands said magic. And Mistborn sticks out so much here with Almancy because Sanderson does an amazing job of describing to us how the system works basically there's all sorts of different metals that folks can uh, burn like ingest and then uh, burn uh, inside their body to be able to use particular sets of powers and there's a particular metal that's associated with each particular power for example pewter gives people like Stronger constitution and greater strength, and things like that. And there's particular uh, uh, al- uh alimantic? It, yeah, alimantic metals <laughs> that have all sorts of different uh, powers, and there are mistings who can only use one of those powers, uh, one of your favorite characters there, <laughs> Charles, is Ham, who is a pewter burner. So yes. he's only capable of burning pewter and giving himself that sort of super strength and super constitution. Well, then there are Mistborn, the titular kind of uh, magic users in this, who can burn all the different metals and kind of combine them together to solve problems like a burn pewter at the same time as uh, another metal like I, I think it's tin uh, that gives you like very sharp senses yeah that's uh, tin Yeah, Uh, so can be super strong at the same time as having super hearing. And then when you combine all these different metals and what they can do, Sanderson gives us a chance to almost see these as as tools in our characters' toolkits. And then we wonder, ooh, how are they going to use this one to solve these problems? It's just so satisfying, so interesting. There's so much depth to this system. And I'll I'll let you go, Charles. I've been talking a while. No,
0: no, that's really well said. You're on a roll. I think what makes Mistborn kind of next level is... It's kind of intricate, but it works, and it's really intuitive at the same time. And Sanderson has a masterful way of writing it into the action scenes and into the the like problem solving of certain scenes where you understand right away how Alamancy works and how a Mistborn works and like he's he's built it into this whole world. Like sometimes the economy is affected by certain metals being available and that's how, you know, people can control the economy in some ways. Certain characters when they're, you know, it's like, OK, well, when they don't have medals, they're just normal people. So a lot of the like entry going on could be involved in like, how do we get this person like stripped of medals or, oh, they're about to run out of medals. And, oh, you can burn this medal right now, but then you won't have it later. So there's all yeah. these really interesting elements to Alamancy that carry the Mistborn story so far and you get some really exciting action pieces you get some great mystery pieces and it all is rooted in how Allomancy as a magic system works and that's why Mistborn has lived on all these years even though Sanderson has gone on to write so many amazing New York Times best-selling works since then just Mistborn just stands out as this flagship like master class in in magic system writing specifically hard magic system writing and sanderson's website has all these great laws of magic that he goes into highly recommend checking those out he describes all the ways in which he approaches magic and there's three laws and they're all super We've intricately- You know, we could talk about them all day. And in fact, we already have on an earlier episode, Mistborn and the Art of the Magic System. So (laughs) definitely want to go check out that episode if you want to hear us get into the weeds of all the laws of magic and how they're brilliantly executed in, in Mistborn. But for now, just know that there's like the magic system is ingrained into the identity of the Mistborn series. And it makes for some really exciting, intriguing Moments in fantasy that have stuck with me after reading tons of books since then.
1: So true, Charles. And you're making such awesome points that had me thinking about something of why I love Alomancy so much and just the way Brandon Sanderson does magic and Mistborn in in general, which is the, the way that it's woven into every element of his world. You were just talking about how it's part of the economy and things like that so it's part of the world building in so many ways beyond just being a magic system but i was also thinking like it's super woven into the characters and how the characters end up as people yeah and it's not a spoiler to say that uh, breeze is a character who is a soother can burn brass in order to soothe or dampen other people's emotions so you could think of like making someone feel less uh, anxious or something like that if brie or making them feel more or sorry he can't make them feel more but he can make them feel let's say less on edge around him in order to make them yeah more less susceptible to fetching him wine less or nervous something like that. less yeah right yeah, yeah. and he'll use you know but it's it's shaped him into kind of this like charmer who uh, <laughs> likes to try to influence people and make them go get him wine. And he's got this sort of charismatic feel to him. And you can't remove that part of his character from the fact that he burns brass and allomantic metal in order to like be a person in Sanderson's world. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because a lot of, it's like, I don't know, it's like, burning metals is a super cool idea in itself, but what brings it to the next level is, like, it's a part of every aspect of Mistborn, and including character.
0: Very well said. I mean, I could talk about Mistborn all day long, and although I hesitate to recommend people go all the way back and listen to our buddy read just because it was the first buddy we ever did and we didn't know what we were doing but they're there lots of people do listen to them so if you want to listen to them you can but definitely listen (laughs) to the Art of the Magic System (laughs) definitely listen to Art of the Magic System where we have come a long way in in podcasting since then and that's a really great conversation all about this but yeah it's no surprise that this one came up in like half of the entries that are in this in this bracket. So Alamensi all the way. Another one that came up quite a bit and is in a series that we are in the process of reading right now is this idea of channeling in Wheel of Time, specifically the difference between Sayadar and Sayadin. These are two sides of a magic system. Uh, Sayadar, I believe, is the one that women can use and then Sayedin is the one that the men can use and they're specific to each gender but the powers are pretty much the same they they channel energy but just kind of in different ways and the ways they approach it are different and they're different sources of magic but they can do I equate it to like they can do Gandalf like stuff in terms of like they can do cool things like you expect mages to do but it comes from a little bit more in the spectrum like it leans more to the hard magic in that there are concrete things we know they can and can't do we kind of understand the limitations a little bit so it's interesting to see like the hard magic system kind of progress through uh from lord of the rings to wheel of time and you know, we've talked about it a bunch of times. Some of the reasons why we like some of these channeling characters in Wheel of Time is because they can shoot out a fireball when they need to they in an the action things. scene, right? Yeah, they do the things, and Alamensi allows characters to do the thing, and that's super interesting. But what takes it to the next level for me is, one, the fact that there's different magic for men and women, and that already is an interesting idea to explore right away. But then the second thing is that the male half of the source has been tainted. It's no spoiler to say at the beginning of this book, any man who can channel is susceptible to going mad, essentially. It's been tainted by the evil Dark Lord, right? So that means that there's no men that really channel anymore. And any that do are discovered by the women who can channel and are what's called stilled, which is when you're cut off from the source. And it's basically like a death sentence kind of because once you can channel and you've been stilled, you like have no zest for life anymore. And a lot of people don't survive much longer after being stilled. So it makes for a really interesting social dynamic in this world. You know, you have something where, oh, at one point men and women channeled equally and they were able to accomplish all these great things but now there's no men that can channel any that do are a target are considered an enemy and then you have certain women that can channel that are anti men at all and then you have others who are like trying to do things about it maybe a little more flexible on it so it's interesting to see that play out it's interesting to recognize that there's a lot of matriarchal societies as a result in wheel of time at the time that you're yeah. reading and it just makes for really cool things and then of course as you can imagine a 14 book series uh, Robert Jordan weaves in different kinds of oh there here's these different magical artifacts that can affect channeling and there's different things you can cut people off from channeling or you can have people channel more or you can channel as a group you know like there's all these different layers to it after 14 books you get these layered complexities that most fantasy series usually don't get the opportunity to Embrace, And that's, for me, is, is why Sayadar and Sayadine, this idea of channeling, is such an obvious choice for this magic systems bracket.
1: That is so well <laughs> well said there, Charles. I, uh, yeah, I'm glad you was the more experienced uh, will of time. <laughs> Only later. slightly more. <laughs> soup. Well, you've read 11, well, if you count that you've reread th- three of them now, you've read i've read all 14 books <laughs> some of them yes yeah, exactly so you've read 17 wheel of time books some of which counting twice so i've only read three and i this is one of the biggest things that you've always been really passionate about with the wheel of time series and a big reason why you got me to check it out charles is this uh, this magic system that i think is a real game changer for the genre in a lot of ways because Mm -hmm. it's like we think of these it's so Lord of the Rings inspired is Mm -hmm. Wheel of Time I always place it as like Lord of the Rings inspired and then the inspiration for so many incredible others who like other authors who have almost drawn from uh, the way that this like the series is overall but also the way that this magic system works in the series and i think that it's no secret that brandon sanderson who he said is in a lot of ways the like who we think of when we think of magic systems i don't think we would have things like allomancy and all these other amazing magic systems without jordan's influence on the genre and then like sanderson's influence on the genre through the way he was inspired by Jordan. And I'm really was well, just like grateful for the, <laughs> the the change. And I've, I've talked in the past about how someone like Gandalf, the soft magic system stuff. I don't think there's objective right or wrong answers to what you prefer between softer hard magic systems but i usually tend to lean toward liking the harder magic systems more and a big reason is like with gandalf i'm always like what like but what can he do though he's just kind of here what's he gonna do and then it's like and i have a brandon sanderson gif i made that is Brandon Sanderson saying, what can Gandalf do, (laughs) by the way? So I might, if I'm feeling brave, I might drop that on Twitter before this episode. And (laughs) then I think that what Wheel of Time gives us the opportunity to see more than anything, as we said, they do the things, is someone like Moraine, who it's not a spoiler to say, as we've been saying, we've been trying to be very careful, uh, that Moraine can can use the power. And uh, she actually... does. (laughs) does. <laughs> she actually can like throw fireballs and make the earth shake and all sorts of other interesting things that uh, this magic system allows her to do. And I think it's such an influential system because uh, we get to understand it and it, it starts to move. It's, I think, a big part of what's moved the genre to at least hard magic systems being more popular in a dis- in, in a addition two soft magic systems which they were a lot more of before wheel of time i think
0: well said i look at the timeline of modern fantasy and robert jordan always stuck out to me as like the springboard in which a lot of modern authors were able to just catapult into like into modern day and it's interesting to say sanderson because it's no secret that he finished wheel of time at he was a fan of wheel of time who was then asked to finish the series and And Sanderson has explicitly cited Wheel of Time as a big influence for him growing up. So it's interesting to compare the two. And, yeah, I I think this idea of a magic source that has all these different layers to it that, like, one can be used by men, one can be used by women. You know, there's all these more harder elements to it. We're, like, moving, marching slowly towards the hundred percent hard magic of of something like Mistborn right another thing that I find really interesting about channeling just before we move on is the fact that how everyone is there's a danger in using it right there's a limit right. to it and people are hesitant to use it you know even the female half of the source right there's this danger it's like oh if you keep channeling it's almost like the effect of like people they describe it almost like if you were doing a drug where it's like hard to stop and you have to like force yourself to stop channeling or you could like channel too much and obliterate yourself so there's always this element of danger to it and hesitation to it that just adds a little spice when you compare it to something like lord of the rings where you know gandalf's like this angelic being who can do things and it's glorious and we all hail him for it it's like all these great people that are channeling are always running a risk and always have to know when to shut themselves off from magic so Those kind of spicy moments were just so influential. Very spicy. These spicy moments just captured the imagination of a lot of these modern authors, I think. And you got to give Wheel of Time props for that.
1: You definitely have to give Wheel of Time and RJ props for... Robert Jordan uh, props (laughs) for that. Yeah, that incredible magic system, that really epic series. And I think you said danger and hesitation there mm-hmm. Charles which yep. to me that's that is a lot of what characterizes the wheel of time experience is to, the characters grappling with danger and hesitation yeah. so <laughs> always good
0: when your magic system kind of personifies your story you know the more those two can be yeah. intertwined the better and this is definitely a world that would be if channeling existed you know
1: it, it affects yes all
0: parts of society
1: well that world, which apparently doesn't have a name, uh, I think St- Stephen Randland. mentioned that to us <laughs> on our collab for the they Eye did. of the World. That they they just call it Randland <laughs> because yeah. there is no name. So, but Randland, despite not having a name, is just such a living and breathing world, and such a big part of it is uh, Sidine and Sidar, and how those two things are, or those two forces are i want to say woven again and oh that would you. make it kind of a pun <laughs> <laughs> so i'll say woven into the world and societies and cultures which is such a big part of that series so yeah there's a lot to love for sure lots to
0: unpack there and if you know you're interested in more of our wheel of time discussions we've had three buddy <laughs> reads so far and as dylan mentioned one of them is with fantology and you definitely don't want to miss that one if you're a real time fan so check that one out and that moves us into our third and final entry for this magic systems competition and this is a series that is close to dylan and i's hearts um we love this series, and it's one that we've talked about very frequently, I- including yes. pretty recently as well. <laughs> um, you, you, we just can't shake it, and that is The King Killer Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss. And we cited both sympathy and naming for this entry. And I know Dylan has a lot to say. I don't think it will surprise anyone that follows us on Twitter uh, about this Kingkiller entry.
1: Yeah, I mean... I'll sn- I'll sneak in King Killer whenever I can justify it in these polls. King Killer and makes this it to these polls easy... a lot. We're yes. like
0: the King Killer reps on these yeah. polls.
1: <laughs> and I'll say this was not a hard one to persuade you of, though, Charles. Right, easy it one was... to
0: justify. It,
1: definitely, and part of what I I love in King Killer Chronicle in the King Killer Chronicle is how. Rothfuss just has such a way of walking the line so delicately. He's got such a deft hand with so many things. And some and a line he walks here is the line between soft and hard magic systems. So uh, we've got on one end uh, naming. Naming is very soft magic system we don't really understand how it works it's, it's not this idea that if you uh, if you are able to find the name of something though we don't really know how it, one goes about doing that <laughs> uh, you can then basically control that thing yeah. at its most fundamental level so the first book is called the name of the wind it's about trying to like understand i mean well, I won't say what it's about, but <laughs> for spoiler reasons, yeah. <laughs> uh, or what I think it's about. But it, uh, in some ways, they will talk about this idea of like ch- chasing the name of the wind or trying to understand what the wind's name is. But something like the wind is hard to pin down and truly make rules out of. And because of that, this soft magic system of naming, yeah, when it works, it is like really impactful in the way that soft magic systems often are, but it's also not really a toolkit that are from which our characters can easily draw from. You never know when a name of something is going to be figured out or not figured out. And you never know if it's even going to be used in a way that will help solve problems. A lot of times it creates problems Mm -hmm. for characters and that's super interesting. And that's also why I think like naming is used by Patrick Rothfuss more in that way of, uh, not necessarily solving problems because we don't understand it it goes back to that like sanderson's first law that you you need to understand something to be able to use it to solve problems right um but then on the other side of things we have sympathy and sympathy has very explicit rules it actually draws from like real world mythology i don't know if that's the right word for it but like it's a real concept uh, that people like talk about outside of the Kingkiller Chronicle. And I, I am going to paraphrase from the Kingkiller wiki page on sympathy, which says sympathy is a system of energy manipulation considered a form of magic that requires extreme skill and concentration. Sympathy requires a user to create a sympathetic link between two objects so that whatever is done to one object will affect the other. And there's all sorts of intricacies. Uh, at, I mean, this page goes much, much longer than that, with five entries to the laws, terms, and maxims of sympathy to seven known bindings. Yeah. And I mean, anyone familiar with Patrick Rothfuss's King Killer Chronicle know, knows that he will not step away from giving tons of depth to these things and and the lots of rules that govern sympathy are really interesting but it's also very interesting in the way that it uh, it is i'm trying to not spoil something that i want to talk about it parallels a lot of things about the king killer chronicle and perhaps even uh two particular characters relationship in the king killer chronicle uh (laughs) I don't know how well I'm doing with the... I'm not going to say names, but I'll say that there's this quote that I've grabbed, which is, the law of sympathy is one of the most basic parts of magic. It states that the more similar two objects are, the greater the sympathetic link. The greater the link, the more easily they influence each other. And I'll say that there's two characters that parallel each other a lot in the Kingkiller Chronicle that I like to talk about. And (laughs) those two characters are... Are very influential in each other's lives, and I always and I think like sympathy in a lot of ways, the way that having two, not objects in this case like people who are very similar, like kind of mirror each other, reflect each other, and then influence each other and impact each other a lot. I've I've always kind of thought that like the link that is created through sympathy is one that is in some ways, I don't know if an analogy, but like similar to the way that these two characters are like each other. I, I know I had to make it. I'm sorry I had to make it about that, but <laughs> sympathy is... <laughs> you, know, you had to
0: make it about that, Dylan. <laughs> yeah, sympathy
1: is very interesting and there's a lot of depth to it. And of course it plays a very central role to the way that um, our characters navigate it's i hope it's not a spoiler to say that in some ways the king killer is a school story and having something that has rules that they learn about in school is very interesting and it contrasts with the way that though they like naming is something that is like an element of something you would potentially learn about in school the way that it's quote unquote taught is like you gotta stop overthinking it you gotta stop trying to make rules for things and then maybe you'll understand it so it's just two very like contrasting interesting magic systems
0: no that's well said and it makes me think about naming a little bit more you know in a recent episode we did about king killer chronicles we talked about some of the themes this idea of like prioritizing journey over destination Mm -hmm. and this idea of questions being more interesting than answers and like stop trying to capture a thing and understand it just to like enjoy it because and when you think about naming in that way like a lot of times Mm -hmm. naming is most successful when you're not like you know it's kind of like this trope we see in fantasy a lot where the magic comes to you when like it's needed in the moment and not when you're like trying to puzzle it out and force it to happen. You know, naming is often most successful when it's a passive thing, when you're just kind of embracing the moment. And that's so much what Kingkiller is about and naming suits it so well. So Rothfuss is using these traditional tropes in magic systems and fantasy. Naming is not unique to Kingkiller. The idea of knowing the name of something goes way, way back. And then this idea of just letting it flow through you. Don't try and like pin it down to be able to do it, that's not unique either, but he delicately weaves it in and, and through the perspective of Quoth, which when you learn more about him and how it affects him personally, it, it it just adds a layer of ingenuity to it and originality to it that has the King Killer's magic systems stand out so much, so I'm a huge fan of this as well, and is a good choice. <laughs> I wasn't surprised when Dilip brought it to the table, and I didn't fight him either, because it, yeah. it, it, it it earns its spot in our 3 for I sure. think
1: we've never been so easily on the same page. About and we've which never three so easily that, had
0: 3 come to mind, either, yes, I don't think. <laughs> that's true,
1: yeah, in any of these awesome Phantology polls. And uh, Charles, I guess something that's coming up for me after talking about all of these mm-hmm. magic systems in a row is... You know, you usually, or I usually will think of magic systems and like which ones do I like? It's like it's the awesome ones, like the ones that are super cool (laughs) and flashy and stuff like that. And that reminds me, you know, there's Brandon Sanderson's Zero Flaw of Magic, which is air on the side of awesome. And I've always thought that kind of characterizes these, like what magic systems are really cool and which ones I like the best. Mm -hmm. But. I don't know. When we got into talking about them, I feel like the ones that we end up really choosing for our top magic systems and liking the best are the ones that are most, like, most dictate lots of things in the world mm. and very much influence our characters mm. and how they develop. They're just so ingrained and, and embedded and, into and, the story right. of
0: these series.
1: Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, I don't know, cool is one thing, and that's great, but really changing the people of the story right. and really representing the greater themes of the story and being so intricately built into the way that a world works, those kind of things. That's what makes the magic system stand up above all Yeah, the that's rest.
0: well said. I mean, the reason like, maybe Lord of the Rings isn't on this list, and I don't want to spoil anything in Lord of the Rings, but that magic system is omnipresent in the world of Lord of the Rings but it doesn't like it's not as ingrained in the politics and in the influence it has over the main characters and things like that as these series that we put on the list do and now that you mentioned that could be like just our personal taste of what we're looking for in in magic it's like okay does the magic system work into the themes of the story which all these 100% do and Lord of the Rings maybe not So much, but love Lord of the Rings, obviously. But when we come out, like to me, and I guess to us, these standout magic systems have thematic properties to them. And these are huge, beloved series. So you got to give props to the magic systems for those reasons.
1: That's really well said, Charles. And I think that you make a great point about our subjective tastes there, which is. (laughs) There's uh, lots of really great magic
0: systems on this list that we didn't pick that I think are awesome, you know? So Well said. There's lots of... Like, I see Star Wars on here. I see Avatar on here. I see Malazan on here.
1: Star Wars The Force is... Speaking of iconic. Yeah. (laughs) Iconic. (laughs)
0: Uh, No, yeah. Those are all... I was like, ooh, we might have a hard... Like, I'm really confident in our choices, but I'm looking at some of these. This is some tough competition. Charles,
1: one that I... Rebecca Kwong's The Poppy War trilogy, oh, yeah. I think, is another one. Yeah, we didn't end up picking it here, but if we had a fourth, I think that would be my one because that's another one that really influences our characters and the world. And that's a great choice. Yeah, I would. Yeah, that, that series is so good. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> a great sorry. series, and I, the magic
0: system is a huge part of that. The characterization is another one. For that, for so it's like characterization, I think, is first for Poppy War, and then magic would be second. So,
1: and magic, I mean, the way it's another thing, and this one would be a spoiler to talk in depth about, but the way the magic impacts the characters in the Poppy War trilogy is really, really vital to the story and interesting
0: and yeah it's complex it's layered there's so many other themes that it's kind of woven into and that it kind of is a metaphor for so yeah i mean check out our (laughs) poppy war episodes where we get more into that as well but that would have probably been a number four i think these series just have the advantage of being older more established the last poppy war book came out just a few months ago but certainly would be welcome in this competition in our in our three for sure so, Easily. Uh, yeah, that, that's a great runner up. So many good runners up here. Um, lots of great magic systems and fantasy, if you can believe it. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, let's hope.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's a, a. Fantology recently had a really interesting conversation on, on one of their. I think on the episode where they introduced this competition, mm-hmm. where they were like, well, what makes something fantasy versus one of the other like genre or sub-genre um, fiction, genre. Yeah. under the, well, not just fiction, but I guess like the speculative fiction or SFF umbrella, right? That's such a big term that encompasses so much. But we do get a sense of, for the most part, you could say, well, this one is sci-fi and this one is fantasy. And then there's other ones where it's like this one, I'm a little less sure, so I'll probably say speculative fiction. <laughs> but yeah, it's an interesting conversation of like what makes something fantasy versus another genre Mm. under speculative fiction and magic obviously comes up as one of the big thing like whereas sci-fi would use technology to solve the same problems that sanderson let's say might use in his hard magic system it's interesting topic yeah maybe one for another day maybe
0: one for another day i mean that's a great point magic systems are a crucial part of a lot of fantasy series and like this is such a great topic for a contest because there's so many great resources to to draw from for your entries here. So kudos to Fantology for this one. I'm excited to see how this contest plays out and go on Twitter and vote for the FTF podcast when the time (laughs) comes. <laughs> you know what to do, yeah, You're friends. N- that's right, friends. The, the friend army roll out. We need, <laughs> we need it's to not mobilize quite the troops. Army <laughs> levels, but from
1: Lord Grumpy Dark who was oh, really gosh. Uh... <laughs> not quite <laughs> those levels. Lord he's, Grumpy Dark had an entry.
0: He's a, he's had an entry, but you know he's a bit of a roguish character, so yeah. you can't expect him to be in in line with some of these other contest well, requirements. He
1: picked all stuff by. Levi Jacobs. Uh, Not a bad threat. Yeah, friend of the show, <laughs> Spiffo finalist, Levi Jacobs. And I, I will say, Levi has incredible magic systems. And a la like, like a
0: Sanderson as well. Too. Yeah,
1: a la like a Sanderson, but I'll say, Charles, now that we're reading Wheel of Time, I feel like Levi's magic system and Daughter of Flood and Fury yeah, in a lot of ways true. feels like kind of a more you're going with like, modern perspective of gender. Yeah, in the way that we were just talking about with, the like with the way that, really I would say it might be more like sex than gender is the way that things play a role in the wheel of time mm-hmm. in the magic system. But I think that yeah, Levi's daughter, Flood and Fury, and I guess Tidecaller Chronicles, although only the first one is out so far, is I really appreciated a more contemporary view of uh, like gender based magic system so I,
0: that's well said yeah, actually I'll, yeah You're, yeah that's true because you hadn't we hadn't really read wheel of time at the time we were reading we had not daughter of flood and fury so yeah if you want to listen to more about levi jacobs check out his book but also we interviewed him on the show not too long ago yes. so go back and check that out as well really great guy great character that second book's coming out and we're excited to talk to him again about that but in the yeah, meantime or- great magic system as well definitely very much you
1: know. so or tweet at lord grumpy dark who is the lore expert when it comes to the Tidecaller chronicles
0: that's right all kinds of great content happening on that guy's twitter account so don't forget yeah. about him well dylan i think we've said it all i think you know we did a great job talking about these awesome magic systems and it's always an exciting opportunity. These contests, I should say, are always an exciting yeah. opportunity to have a more higher-level, spoiler-free discussion about some of these elements of fantasy and standout moments in, in fantasy literature.
1: For sure. And thank you again to Fantology for hosting these. You can, uh, <laughs> Once again, you can find uh, the competition itself on Twitter, and the best way to do that would probably be to follow at Fantology underscore books. Yeah. So if yeah, go ahead and do that. It's always easier to do the promotion stuff, Charles. When it's talking about someone else, I'm like, yeah. uh, I feel a bit awkward when we do our own sometimes. But it's fun to be able to say,
0: like, go, yeah, go follow, follow them of and then wait for their post where they tag us <laughs> and then and vote, then for, vote us. for us. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yes. You don't 100%. want one of these other kid chose to win. Come on. You well, want? Uh,
1: there, uh, there's lots of awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's lots, lots of friends, great Charles. entries. There's lots of awesome. People in the any
0: one of them is deserving of for, winning, yes. but we all want Friends Talking Fantasy to win. So throw well, that yeah, vote, vote out
1: there. Yeah, there's lots of other awesome folks to vote for oh, yeah. up until they face Friends Talking yeah. Fantasy. <laughs> then you know at what which to do. Point, vote for us. Yeah,
0: you you guys know what to do. <laughs> so let's make it happen, guys. Um, until then, I think we're ready for that sweet sweet outro music.
1: I think we're ready for that sweet sweet outro music, Charles. All right.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. If you like what you heard today and you want to support the show, give us a follow over on Twitter at the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end. That is also where you can vote for us in the (laughs) Phantology poll. So be on the lookout for that coming out soon. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at the FTF Podcast. And you can always send us an email at theftfpodcast at gmail.com. Now, Dylan, if they're listening and they want to support the show, beyond following us on social media, beyond voting for us in the poll, (laughs) what can they do?
1: Toss five stars to our podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts and you go onto that Apple Podcast app, uh, then you can find the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast page, scroll down past all those episodes that you're seeing, and then once you're seeing stars, if you click five of those, that would be the best number in order to help support the show. If you have some extra time, then you can always leave us a review, and that would be ridiculously appreciated. But just listening is more than enough. Thank you so much for getting here.
0: Yes, everybody, thank you so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. And as always, go forth and conquer, friends.